Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. We're sort of looking at each other during, right? <laughs> in, in a way, yeah. We're... Oh, I don't know what just happened. You're getting echo I don't, from the YouTube video. Oh, man. Come on. Come on, you the internet. You the YouTube video. You know what happened is I probably had, I probably had the, uh, I probably had the window open in the background somewhere. I don't want that. You know, an open window in the background can get you in a lot of trouble <laughs> if it's playing audio, Ben. Uh, Adam, the, this was the episode, of course, where we rolled a look, a uh, a fuck it, we'll do it live, and so we are live streaming this live to. To uh, I don't know <laughs> some <Dozens>. some people, <laughs> um, and uh, I don't know if I don't know if this is something anybody cares about. Uh, it certainly gave us a lot of stress figuring out how to get it set up. <laughs> yeah, I mean we'll probably never do this again. <laughs> Just let's, take let's it take it off the board. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not going to distract myself with the stream window. I'm. I'm pretty sure there's like a chat room over there and stuff. I don't think I want to look at that during because I think I want this to be an us recording an episode together type of episode. All right, that's a good idea. I can get with that. But I thought maybe a good Marin to to do in that case was maybe um, opening gifts from friends of DeSoto that have come in the mail. <laughs> You know why I love this idea? It's because it's probably the segment that takes the most editing. <laughs> yeah, people will really see how the sausage gets made. Captain, I'm sorry to disturb you. I'm receiving a code 47. Verify. It is code 47, sir. Starfleet emergency frequency. Captain's eyes only. Uh, I have already begun tearing open the first gift. It is from Perry of Miramar, Florida. That's Fighter Town, USA, Florida. Oh, cool. Second best Miramar. <laughs> right. It's like we have a couple of of minifigs that are made to look like us. I don't know if those are reading in the camera. Oh man, I I wonder if this is the same minifig genius that came to uh, one of our Brooklyn shows and brought entire sets of minifigs for both of us. Alright, we've been sent a card and a letter and uh, I will read the letter from uh, from Perry and what looks to be Joel. Alright, so here's the letter. Uh, ben and Adam last year when my wife and I presented you with a collection of customized Greatest Gen Lego minifigs. There you go. That's the same guy! Yeah. After the Greatest Gen Con show at the Bell House in Brooklyn, I promised to send some nubbin bugs to complete the collection. Finally, <laughs> here they are, but with additional bonus minifig versions of yourselves as Wrath of Khan era Starfleets. Cool. Oh yeah, there's uh, there are nubbin bugs in here. They're uh, they're at the bottom. Oh, they're little see, guys. See the, see the nubbin bug? Letter goes on to say, Greatest Gen has been a true inspiration and helped to pull me out of 
a long period of depression and creative stagnation. Making media for work is never the same as creating it out of love and a desire to put something entertaining and informative into the world. The enjoyment we derived from Greatest Gen was the impetus for creating our own podcast that you don't have to name as we have promised ourselves that we will just purchase a shiny new priority (laughs) one before the end of 2019. That's very classy, Perry. It's classy. I, I think we should name it. Yeah, uh, the, their podcast is called You Haven't Seen What. You know, I have some of that uh, You Haven't Seen What stuff around here, too. I knew that Perry had a, a podcast. He talked to us about it in line, but I think I got like three or four different pieces of collateral for different podcasts, and then I couldn't remember which one was associated with the Legos. It's a lot yeah. to keep organized, for sure. It's and and a- we're bad at it. To begin with. <laughs> wow, thank you, uh, Perry and Joelle, for such a nice message and for these awesome custom minifigs. Those are great. You want to open yours up? Yeah, let's see. Oh, wow. <laughs> this is great. The first item is the type of teacup that uh, Captain Picard might have in his ready room. And That's in, great. And it is a miniature bottle of a George Clooney endorsed brand of tequila. <laughs> Love the Clooney tequila. Oh man, there's two Great. of them. So uh, we'll have to share. We'll have to share some tequila together next time. Uh, next time you're in town. What else do we have here? A, uh, this looks like a, a T Earl Grey Elkars. <laughs> wow. Uh, container. Oh man, a, uh, this is a. It looks like a mercury capsule themed uh, tea infuser. All right. Uh, from the from the folks at Think Geek. My apologies for not uh, name checking you, kind friend of Desoto. Maybe there was a card and it got separated from the stuff at the show. That's unfortunate, if possible. Do you got one more package there? Is that what I see? Final box is so heavy. This is a eighteen pound box. <laughs> I know it because the USPS says so on its label. Let's see what's inside. It's from Robert out of uh, Dayton, Nevada. It's so heavy that it's actually burst. Oh, wow. There, there's, a, there's a busted side. <laughs> oh, boy. I think Robert has sent us Gages the Video Game. Whoa! <laughs> uh, on all three of its compact discs... Wow, I I definitely have seen a lot of people speculating online about which submarine game Gages might have been. So uh, did he did he nail it? Is this the correct game? <laughs> it, is. it is. Oh, uh, he also included uh, a couple more video games. Of course, the very popular Star Trek Klingon interactive adventure and uh, <laughs> and Star Trek Borg, the interactive movie. I was recently cleaning out my parents' house with them, and I discovered a copy of Star Trek Borg, the interactive movie from my childhood. I have no memory of ever experiencing that. (laughs) Also in the box, the Obsessed with Star Trek quiz game. Does that have, like, a computer built into the book? It does. We've got uh, the Star Trek versus the X-Men comic book. Wow. The Star Trek audiobook titled IQ uh, on tape, it looks like. Is it possible that Robert does not like our podcast? And he's like, well, I don't like any of this crap, but I know who does. 
Uh, there is a letter, though, that may go some way toward explaining what I have here. Letter goes like this. Dear Adam and Ben, I meant to give you this at Greatest Gen Con in L.A., but forgot to bring it. Also, thank you, Ben, for asking if I wanted the three show posters I bought signed. Otherwise, I would have just walked out of the club without getting them signed. <laughs> nice work, Ben. Uh, nobody has ever turned me down if I asked something, if, I, if they wanted something signed, which surprises me. I'm used to being turned down every time I propose something. Included is the classic submarine game Gages, a game that stars several Trek guest stars, including Jim Menslin. No kidding. Oh, that Chris Brenner. You know, interface, operations, net access, channel 90. That Chris Brenner. <laughs> also, thank you for being such a good source of entertainment for my friend Crystal. Yes, the same Crystal mentioned in the episode Love Those Puffs, The Phoenix Problem, and Business Casual Station. That's the Crystal that, uh, that got the tattoo. I love our episode titles because they are totally inscrutable to me. Even now, uh, the letter concludes, You've been such a good influence on her. She has created her own podcast, one which I've been dragged into being a co-host on. Thank you for indirectly pulling me into the biz. It's from friend of DeSoto, Robert. Wow. Very Thanks, cool. Robert. All right. Got a lot of stuff for my own shelf there. Thanks yeah. to our very generous friends of DeSoto. That uh, that was uh, that was quite a haul. Adam, do you want to get into the episode we came to talk about today? Yeah, I think that would be a good idea, given that we spent 20 minutes on our mail call. Actually, one of the shorter <laughs> ones, <laughs> if memory serves. Yeah, we did we did great. Yeah. All right, Ben. Uh, let's get to it. It's Deep Space Nine, season four, episode 19, Shattered Mirror. <laughs> realize how incredible this is? <laughs> no, of course you don't. So this uh, this episode starts with Jake long facing it at the spot on the promenade where he and Nog customarily hang out. Everybody kind of clocks this, specifically Odo. Enjoying the view. Who <laughs> comes over and explains to Jake that like, it was never Jake that Odo was chasing away. It was Nog, and Jake was just kind of guilty by association. Yeah, Jake's sad to be at the hanging rail. It just doesn't feel the same without Nog. I guess not. What do you what do you make of Jake's outfit in this episode? Sort of a uh, he's he's combining patterns, Ben, which I know from looking at you is a thing that you'd be okay with. Well, he's got like the purple sleeve and then the greyhound bus uh, <laughs> seat, seat upholstery pattern. Yeah. On the other, I think Jake can rock this. I think it's, he can too. It's a little more tunicky, and they've definitely like there. We are definitively out of the Jake Nuck era. You know what? You really get a sense for the colors and patterns when Odo rolls up on him and stands right next to him, because you rarely get <laughs> such an A and a B of Brown Town right next to Neapolitan yeah. ice cream. I thought that this scene was a, it, it. It was a little uneven for me because. Jake is also complaining about writer's block and, you know, it implies that he's sad about a whole bunch of stuff and not just the absence of Nog, but Nog becomes kind of the, the central topic of conversation at, when when Quark rolls up. Quark does the thing he does best, which is like pop the emotional balloon that someone else inflated. <laughs> he's like, yeah, I miss him too, because I could use a good waiter. The first kind word 
I think we've ever heard Quark say about Nog's skills as a uh, as a waiter. Right. <laughs> he also says uh, something about Jake playing Damjot with himself, and uh, I wondered if that was just a euphemism for jacking it. Jack it, human. <laughs> Human, touch penis. <laughs> Do not neglect balls, human. I've never seen the balls roll that well for anyone. <laughs> Have Jim Sock nearby, human. <laughs> you know, if, if Picard could go back to his youth and change how many times he jacked it, he wouldn't change a thing. That's what we learned from Tapestry, right? I should have done this a long time ago. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think Picard jacked it into uh, Jodhpur's? (laughs) If he's anything like me, it's just whatever's at the top of the hamper when the the feeling strikes him. So probably Jodhpur's 90% of the time. Sure. Every serious writer has their own saddle to jack it into, Ben. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. It really leaves the leather feeling supple. (laughs) Anyways, uh, Jake uh, wanders wanders home and uh, finds uh, finds that his apartment contains more than just his father. Mom? I think this is the first of many moments in the episode that feels tonally just off. And it's not because of a Mirror Universe character or setting. Jake's attitude at seeing her, one would imagine, would be... More emotional than just happy son seeing a long lost mother. Like there seems to be like a lack of depth to the feeling. I really interpreted that as like a a like his brain is shattered in that moment. Like he can't he can't do the math on why she would be there and so doesn't know like he doesn't have like a knee jerk emotional reaction because of that. Yeah. He he doesn't understand what he's seeing. Yeah, I mean, he should be uh, committed to the infirmary at this point, <laughs> and he should not be seen for the rest of the episode. This episode does a, a, like spend a lot of time explaining itself, like like back explaining itself to 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 viewers. And after seeing that uh, what we left behind documentary, all I can think of is the kind of television viewer most people were in this era and and also like i mean one thing they talked about in that doc was that this was a syndicated television show so different affiliates would put it on at different times sometimes they wouldn't air an episode one week and would just air the next episode the next week you could miss pieces of it and never know and like this episode is about catching up with a bunch of shit that has happened in the mirror universe in our absence. Like the camera has not visited the uni- mirror universe in a long time and a ton of things have, have changed about it. And so it has like this weird job of like feeling like a continuation of a story, but an episode that a lot has been happening just entirely off camera. And it would be very confusing if you were just kind of a casual viewer. You yeah, know? this is a terrible episode for that kind of viewer. If you tune in like 20 minutes late to the episode and you maybe missed the last three episodes of DS9, you're like, wow, uh, things are really messed up <laughs> on this show these days. It's weird how hard they lean into that sensibility here. I tend to like it most times. But it, you know, to the degree that it works in a regular mainline episode, there are far more 
hurdles to leap in a mirror universe episode yeah for sure the uh the effect of the smash cut to theme song is uh you know it's jake going mom and then when we come back from commercial it's like not <laughs> she uh she explains i'm not your mom i am malibu your mom <laughs> which means she has no genitalia that's right <laughs> yeah they uh, the camera goes in close just to confirm that yeah um no, she's she's from the the MU, and she what she claims is that she's there to just kind of give Cisco a cool update on how things are going over there. I was surprised that nobody was suspicious of that. Well, the reason that we're not suspicious as a viewer is because Ben Cisco isn't. Like we're being taught how to treat the situation through how chill Ben Cisco is. If he were questioning the surprise of her appearance. Uh, that would be one thing, but it seems right. as though this may be a regular hang, and it could even not be the first time that they've done this. There's a lot implied by just the fact that they've been deep in conversation when Jake walks in. Right. So, yeah, like maybe maybe they do this all the time. If that were the case, if you were Jake Sisko, and if your storyline was a little more sophisticated, uh, wouldn't you be a little hurt yeah. <laughs> by your mom being hidden from you like this? Hey, Dad, why is this the first time I'm meeting her? Dad, you uh, you seem very relaxed. <laughs> so Sisko gets kind of called away on uh, some Bajor emissary business, and, uh, and Jake sticks around to, to hang with Mom. She hands him the cup of coffee, and he gets kind of lost in just the physical contact of being there with her. I mean, it could be the Folgers crystals also. <laughs> really lost yeah. in the flavor. Best part of waking up is your evil mirror universe mother. So we catch up with Cisco uh, in his office. Uh, he's hanging out with Kira. Did you notice that he has a pretty sick model of the International Space Station with the space shuttle attached to it off in the corner now. I did notice that. That was really cool. That's neat. I wondered how like far along the construction of the ISS was at the time of this episode, because uh, that was like, I think it was kind of contemporaneous with, with this, that all those pieces were being launched. Ben Sisko looks at it wistfully, like... Now there's a station without a vole problem. <laughs> yeah, it's in this interregnum that Jake has been disappeared by his mirror universe mother. Like because when Captain Cisco returns to his quarters, he gone. Yeah, and it's just like a, there's like a, a little gadget left behind. Uh, <laughs> but he takes it up to Ops and he's like, "Hey, what's this thing?" And O'Brien's like, "Oh, this must be one of the devices for." tricking out the transporter to go between universes and uh, they're pretty quickly like mounting a rescue effort it's like Kira O'Brien and Cisco are going to are going to arm up and head to the MU to rescue Jake I love that the suspicion is never that something bad has happened yeah I think both Kira and O'Brien are like, you know, maybe she just wanted to give him a tour of the Mira universe that sounds like <laughs> something he would want right well, to her credit, Kira goes and gets some dustbusters, yeah. but O'Brien is like, why are we getting guns? What do we need with these? Yeah. <laughs> Think outside the box a little bit. 
or just think about the mirror universe at all. <laughs> what do we know about the mirror universe? I love that uh, in Starfleet, like your around the office uniform is the same thing as your field uniform. Like there's no Rambo or Commando getting ready for action scene. There's no like Batman clicking his belt on and pulling up his boots. That's a real shame. You know, they're just like, uh, yeah, we'll grab some dustbusters. We'll get on this transporter pad and we'll go. Uh, so they, they get on the transporter pad, uh, they energize, but only Cisco disappears. And he appears in, uh, in Evil Ops, where <laughs> Smiley greets him and explains that... Uh, Jake's not going anywhere. And neither are you. They intentionally grabbed Jake so that, uh, so that just Cisco would be drawn out. I love the choreography of bad intentions here because like right at the climax of what Smiley is saying, two thugs emerge from <laughs> from side stage with guns. Right. And I really wondered like why why weren't they just there with the guns to begin with? Right. I mean they were practicing that the entire day before Prime yeah. Universe Cisco showed up. Listen, if we don't if we don't rush in with these guns, we won't have an opportunity to go hot 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 hot. The exposition that Smiley lays on Cisco is actually really cool and interesting. And that is, after taking control of Terok Noir, the rebels have gone to work on building a Mirror Universe Defiant out of the plans that Smiley took from the Prime Universe. Only yeah. the problem is they can't get it to go uh, because of the same structural integrity issues that Prime Universe Little D had. You know, because Cisco has kind of intimate construction knowledge of the Little D, they think they can extort him into helping them fix the nasty Little D that they're building in their universe, and that will be the price to get Jake and go home. Yeah, because if they can't pull off this amount of work in this little time... You and your son will die here along with the rest of us. The bad guys, the Cardassian slash Klingon slash Bajoran alliance are kind of bearing down on the station and the uh, the rebels are going to try and mount a, a defense of it, but they just are kind of outgunned and outclassed by this uh, this force that is, is coming to take it back. So uh, if they have a nasty, a working nasty little D... They're going to be in a lot better shape. I know this question destroys the episode, but we know from <laughs> Smiley's previous trip to the Prime Universe that you can transport entire ships there. Why yeah. not just steal the Defiant from the Prime Universe? Hmm. Right? Uh, we also uh, run into Malibu Bashir. You must have missed that cheery face. Hmm? Who really lacks a level of chill in the Mirror Universe. He does not really care at all about Cisco's intentions one way or another as long as he's agreed to, to help them. And uh, he even decks Cisco, <clears throat> saying like, you know, I thought you were the Cisco from this side of the line, and he can punch me, but you can't punch me. So this is, uh, I owed you this one. I feel like punches are louder in the Mirror Universe. Did you get the sense that this was a real, like, Batman TV show yeah. sound effect used here? <clears throat> And the and the punch ledger is really being observed uh, very right. scrupulously in the mirror universe. Everybody <laughs> knows who owes who a punch. Right, right. <laughs> so Cisco is kind of like, yes, I will help you fix your nasty little D, but I want to see my son first. And they're like, 
We're not surprised to hear you say that. So let's go show you where he is. And he's at Mirror Universe Quarks, which is now Mirror Universe Nogs. Nog is the proprietor in uh, in a world where Quark and Rom have both been killed. And, and Nog has really embraced the Quark role with quite a bit of alacrity. This is my father. He's tall, too. I, I, I think he's not quite, doesn't quite have as much joie de vivre as Quark, but definitely is a womanizing asshole the way Quark is. He's more Al Swearingen than than Prime Universe <laughs> Quark is, I think. And Jake is like approaching this as if he's in an amusement park. This place is unbelievable. Chief O'Brien, Dr. Bashir, Dax, they're all here. This is the, the other issue of tone in the episode is that there's never any danger here, and Jake specifically never feels like he's in danger at any moment. Yeah, the episode is at great pains to explicate that Jake knows all about the Mirror Universe. His dad has told him basically everything, and yet he brings a an utter naivete to the danger of the Mirror Universe. Right. It's like he went to the Star Wars part of Disneyland and all the stormtroopers are carrying real guns and he's still <laughs> treating it like it's an amusement park ride. It's weird. It's a yeah. weird tone. Like nobody was like, you know, Odo, your friend Odo <laughs> in the mirror universe, they shot him and he turned into like <laughs> glop. It he, was disgusting. He's a mist. You're actually breathing <laughs> him in right now. It's disgusting. Yeah, you can't get that smell out, you know? I think Jake's just happy to get some some Dabo girl affection in this scene, though he does not observe the Keanu Reeves rule of not touching them. Keanu Reeves hover hand? Yeah. He's not um, doing that. Uh, yeah. Who he's fallen for even more than a Dabo girl is for his mother in a, in a mother-son kind of way. And he's fallen for the mirror universe as a place. He is really starry-eyed and really in love with the idea of like what if what if mom just moved back in with us and we live together again yeah she is uh, a very cunning character because she really uh stokes that fire in him uh, in a in a way that is like very knowingly exploitive but i think it kind of comes back and bites her in the ass in the end outside of her actions you never get the mustache twisty bad guy vibe from her which i think you're expected to feel right right i think you have to do that math yourself which is i think one of the thing one of the strengths of this episode is that the the evil she is doing is not you know she isn't she isn't wearing a black hat while she's doing it and the conflict is presented to us as a conflict between captain cisco and her in that Ben Sisko is down for the cause, but not for the method. Right. Well, we cut away from all of this excitement to the inbound fleet headed up by Regent Worf, who is, I guess, a rung above uh, the Kira character in the Mirror Universe. He's like uh, some kind of regional governor or something. And uh, he's captaining a huge Klingon battle cruiser that's got an escort of... Uh, dozens of birds of prey and and Cardassian uh, warships. It is really fun to see the cruiser scaled against these other ships in the way it is. Yeah, it's like Star Destroyer versus Tie Fighter level of size difference. This is much bigger than a cleave ship, right? This is probably like four cleave ships. 
Seems really big. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't know how big in the cleave ship uh <laughs> system of measures. Uh one thing about this ship though that I know you and I liked a lot is the sound of chains is present. And yeah. that is for a very specific reason, because the chain in question is wrapped around Garrick's neck. Your fairness and good judgment are everything I've heard them to be. <laughs> and Garrick, you know, has a, a much different role in the Mirror Universe. He's not just like a super evil tailor. He's a gimp. Yeah, he's he's been kind of metal bikini led here. <laughs> he uh... Up to the point where he kind of makes a pass at Worf in this scene. He does, and... Do you think he goes in, like, with both hands? <laughs> uh, maybe if Worf was game. I don't know. I mean, one thing we've talked about on Greatest Discovery a lot is that, like, the Mirror Universe is, like, awful and fascist, and but on a species level, because, like, within the Terran Empire, women seem to have as much power as men, and there's no, like, racial... Uh, hierarchy as far as we can tell within it so it's interesting that the same is true on the other side of of that conflict in the mirror universe like the klingon cardassian alliance like they're uh, they're very chill about lgbtq people being part of the military in this fleet so they have good qualities too is what you're saying what i'm saying is there's good people on both sides Oof. <laughs> Uh, no, just like the fact that the, that Garrick makes makes a pass and Worf says you're not my type, and it, it's left at that is like yeah. pretty progressive, you know? Yeah. You are not my type. For 1996 or whatever year this episode came out, I I sort of think that the reason that Worf isn't down for any of this is less about. Uh, not being attracted to Garrick and more about the blame that he assigns Garrick for the loss of Terok Noor, right? Like, I think yeah. attraction begins with respect <laughs> for the person and Worf yeah. just doesn't respect Garrick for what happened. What are you doing now? So the progress is beginning on fixing the nasty little D. Cisco is really throwing himself into the work, and they show him really like toiling on this ship with lots and lots of people. I guess they have to reconfigure the some kind of like field, the like a hull, hull integrity field. Is that right? Yeah, it is. But if you see the exterior shot, it looks like it needs a lot more than just some integrity field improvements. Like there are plates missing. Yeah. Off of its hull. This place is a dump. And they have not taken down the scaffolding uh, around it. It's kind of it's kind of space dock, but on the side of the station. And this was that was a a model effect that I wondered if it was like blending model effects and CG, because the structure around the ship is is pretty it's pretty finely detailed, and I wondered if that was added as a digital layer. Wait, you mean like the two popsicle sticks extending <laughs> from the station, <laughs> bracing the ship against it? Yeah, that was awesome. It was rad. <laughs> Into the bridge of the nasty little D walks Mirror Universe Dax, who slaps Cisco and cites her 
her reason for slapping him as having had sex with her under false pretenses. To me, this slap was telegraphed because of her can I speak to your manager haircut. (laughs) Everyone knows that Prime Universe Cisco slept his way through the entire Mirror Universe last time he was there. Yeah. We should also hate Cisco for that. He should have been more reluctant to go on this trip. Like when he gets up on the transporter pad at Ops, he, <laughs> he tells Kira and O'Brien, he's like, look, you're going to hear things about me in this universe that are not true. It's the- Kira, if you, if you meet somebody that looks like you, <laughs> maybe I should just start my apologies now. Yeah, bad look. I'm glad that that chicken kind of comes home to roost at least a little bit in this episode. Right. But I guess they need him, right? Like they, he has a little leverage because he's the only person that really knows how to fix the vibration issue. Yeah, and I guess that's enough. Still, he is made uncomfortable enough to leave Ops at this point, which is conveniently around the same time where Intendant Kira is being tortured by Bashir. Yeah, she like, I guess was attempting to escape and uh she was gonna use the defiant to escape that wouldn't have gone very far they should just let her escape and have the defiant shake itself apart in space the logic in geography here doesn't make a ton of sense to me as to why they would be there that's probably the worst place for kira to be to anyone else yeah she's never gonna let anybody have the upper hand even when she's being tortured so she's like flirting with cisco she is uh Trying to make a deal with him to get her out of out of the Huskow. Like I, I think the idea is that she's gonna she's being planted here for for later. Like she she'll become a utility character later in the episode. Right. It's just a reminder to the viewer that she's a going concern. She's a going concern who's obsessed with sex. Right. Can't forget about that. They do an intro shot later on where they just dolly over her horizontally splayed body, starting at her feet and then ending yeah. at her face. It's really the like uh, the Catherine Zeta-Jones in Entrapment right. <laughs> shot of Kira. And it's like, wow, you guys uh, really got away with some shit in this mirror universe. It's weird like, that they had that black couch in the brig. <laughs> Yeah, who knew that they were doing auditions in there? We cut back to uh, Worf, and basically every scene involving Worf is just a scene in which he gets pissed at Garrick. If it was not for your incompetence, the rebels would have been destroyed. Yeah, this is a a drum they beat quite a few times in the episode, but I think that's the scene where where Garrick tries to put the moves on, on Worf to improve his situation, but... The past does not go well, <laughs> Enterprise. We basically cross-cut scenes like that to scenes of a healthy home life between Mirror Universe Jennifer Sisko and Prime Universe Jake. Yeah. Enjoying a family dinner like you might have expected them to had Prime Universe Jennifer Sisko lived. They kind of both make the case that this is an acceptable relationship to Ben. Like Ben comes in, I guess, like at the end of a long day of working on the nasty little D and he's, he's rung out, but you know, Jennifer is like trying to comfort him saying like, Hey, I know that this is like a rough deal, but uh, this is like actually kind of great for Jake. And you know, it's, it's an opportunity for him to, to kind of process his feelings about his mother, who I know I'm not. Ben Cisco you have to believe is aware of his son's internet search history. He also knows that this ain't Jennifer Cisco. <laughs> 
If I were Prime Universe Ben Sisko, I'd be trying a little harder to keep them separated. I don't want to leave a mess. The word comes down from Smiley that the Alliance fleet is really, really close, and uh, they basically run out of time. Ben has been working around the clock to get the little D fixed up, but he's got to go right back to work. So back in the uh, engineering section of the nasty little D, they have an eight-hour ticking clock. And uh, Malibu Bashir actually offers to kind of go on a suicide mission to slow the Alliance down, which is a kind of surprising bit of selflessness for an MU to exhibit. I think he's willing to do anything to keep Dax away from Cisco. That's sort of how I read it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Like one thing that really occurred to me in this episode uh, and has occurred to me in the past is that betrayal is kind of like currency in yeah. the mirror universe like people act surprised about it all the time but betrayal is kind of like the central feature of of the mirror universe so somebody offering to go on a suicide mission should be met with a ton of skepticism but it is not then it's settled and it's instead met with like, a, okay let's give you guys like a, as good a, a plan as we can before you leave and so Cisco goes down to talk to Intendant Kira about, like, what can we do to give these guys a fighting chance against the Klingons? In this scene, he actually appeals to Kira's love of betrayal. <laughs> she's got this idea initially that she's going to be rescued by Regent Worf when he gets to Tarak Nor, and, uh, and she's going to be sitting pretty. And Cisco makes the case for like, yeah, like except for you lost control of the station to these idiots. Like a guy named Smiley literally is running the station right now. How good an officer is he going to think you are when he gets here? And uh, and so she's persuaded to to give him kind of a a little bit of a secret secret intel on on the Klingon fleet. The targeting systems can be fooled. They've been known to chase warp shadows. I had a lot of problems with how the plot of this episode held together, but this scene I thought was great. I thought everything was very plausible with yeah. the leverage that, that Cisco applies to Kira here. It's a very tried and true technique in filmmaking that you put your evil characters in more shadow. Kira is always backlit in these scenes. Right. And, you know, it's it, like the mirror universe is not a terribly well-lit place, as we know, but she's always much darker than Ben Sisko is. And uh, I thought that just like from an emotional and staging standpoint, this scene worked really well for just a kind of a series of singles, you know, that just cut back and forth. Like it does a really great job of of building the stakes and building the tension and making the case for Mirror Universe Kira betraying her, her alliance. Like a lot of the war movies we watch in Friendly Fire, this bit of intel that she gives Cisco is of the form of using subterfuge against a better armed enemy in wartime. Yeah. A moment of levity happens after this on the Alliance flagship. At, at least that's the way I saw it, Ben. It was... <laughs> uh, Someone has lost the key to Garrick's chains. <laughs> what are we going to do about this key situation? You know, a, a, a problem we've discussed at length is that Garrick can never convince anybody he's not lying because he's always lying. Right. Even, even when he's telling the truth. I think when he was chained up to Worf's captain's seat, he thought there may be a stabbing in the offing, but not this kind of stabbing, Adam. <laughs> 
Yeah, he only has one knife. <laughs> Worf goes into the gut of Garrick uh, before one of his lackeys realizes that he dropped the key to Garrick's change and it fell in his boot. So, uh, so that guy gets stuck with uh, keep stabbed Garrick alive or it's your ass. And uh, this is when the very exciting and very well done ship to ship combat starts because right. Malibu, Bashir, and Dax have shown up and they're successfully using the warp shadow technology against the Klingons. Do you think Kern is alive in this universe? <laughs> And he's serving uh, at the side of Worf? Man, I don't know. You think he's like on one of the other ships? Here's a follow-up question. Do you think Kern in this universe is super chill? Unlike uh, Prime Universe Kern, he's like (laughs) Stefan Raquel. (laughs) People like inviting me to dinner parties because I like all kinds of food. Never complaining about the cuisine. I know not to put fish eggs on a turkey leg. I'm a bit of a foodie, you see. Mirror Universe Kern is foodie Kern. <laughs> uh, we're going to be fighting over this guard when it comes time to name a Shimoda, right, Ben? <laughs> as soon as I saw this guy's whole deal, I was like, oh no, I have to pick someone else. <laughs> Don't worry. To be quite honest about it, I was in a pair. A bucket. A pair. Mr. Bucket. I have to revert back to my living state. I don't use the bucket anymore. The Klingon fleet is inbound, and they have to mount a defense uh, with the nasty little D. And uh, it's like, it's kind of like, like the deal has been met, right? Like, Cisco's arrangement with smiley was i'll fix your ship and then and then you give me my son back and i'll go and to smiley's credit he's gonna let cisco get that deal i don't understand why some mirror universe people are all the way evil and some are just like neutral yeah i think smiley is not that good at the mirror universe you know (laughs) In much the same way that I'm not that good at this universe. But if he wasn't, wouldn't you expect him to die first? I feel like if you've lived (laughs) this long in the mirror universe, it must mean that you are capable of awful things. And I just don't get that read from him. Well, you know, mirror universe God take care of babies and fools. (laughs) Well put. (laughs) So yeah, they get the nasty little D out of space dock and start licking shots at the Klingon ships. And it's going great. Like to begin with, it's going great, and then like and and Cisco is is in the captain's chair, but then he's like clear out, Smiley. I'm gonna I'm gonna take over at the helm and show you how to really fight this thing. This made me sad. Cisco does this twice to Smiley. He kicks him out of the command chair and then he kicks him off the helm. <laughs> That's brutal. It's pretty rough. Like, was Smiley just like sitting off in the corner, feeling bad about this for the rest of the episode? That had to hurt his feelings. I mean, Cisco says no offense, which might be the first time anybody has ever used those two words in a phrase in the mirror universe. Mm. Yeah, he's like, I, what do you, what? (laughs) You mean I'm not supposed to take (laughs) offense at something you're doing? What? No, this is like saying not at the end of a phrase, right? Yeah, everybody thinks it's a bit (laughs) in the mirror universe that's just a a joke. Nothing personal. I just know this ship better than you. All I do is... Bits, bits, bits. So, uh, so yeah, they 
pull in uh, real close to Worf's cruiser, and it has kind of a Star Wars stormtrooper level firing accuracy. Right. And uh, just cannot hit the nasty little D to save its life. And uh, and they really fuck it up really bad. And girders start coming out of the ceiling. And uh, everybody knows in Star Trek that when, when the girders show up, it is time to go. Like, if you still have warp engines, GTFO when you see girders. Girders falling is like blood out of the mouth of a character <laughs> in a horror film. Yeah. <laughs> You're about to die when that happens. Ben, we know about the warp shadow strategy at this point. Strange to me that it's not deployed here by the station. I agree. And I I also wondered about what the MU station armament situation is because it's not shooting either. Prime station is bristling with guns at this point, but that is that is not what is depicted here. Uh, The station is nearly defenseless, as far as we can tell. I really love the ships circling the rings and and going in and out of them and stuff. Super cool, like using the station as cover and confusing the warbird about where the nasty little D is because it's like gone to the other side of the docking ring. It's great. And yeah, so the Alliance fleet gets out of there. We've won. And the implication is kind of that Garrick may be back on top because he is the one suggesting that Kira is the real betrayer in the situation to Worf. Yeah, I mean, she seems to be the patsy for all of this stuff. Yeah. Speaking of Kira, she has uh, she's mounted a Nog-assisted escape from the jail cell they put her in. I, <laughs> I love that Nog brings her a hotel salad. <laughs> it is just... It's mixed greens. An undressed spring mix in a, in a bowl. Yeah, because it's really about the tray at this point and yeah. how the tray is used to knock out this poor guard. This poor guard who had a wife sent to death by Kira. It seems like they left him alive, which maybe wasn't super smart OPSEC on Nog's part. Yeah. But yeah, so she, she escapes. She kills Nog. And she's now, like, armed walking around the station, and she runs into Jennifer and Jake. Not only do you guarantee me safe passage off the station, but you make the perfect gift for the region as well. Does this make Mirror Universe Morn the owner of Quark's bar now? <laughs> yeah, I think that's the... Uh, what is the line of succession he, on the bar? He's the designated survivor for the bar. Do you think Mirror Universe Morn has a little dick? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, probably. So, uh, yeah, she shoots Jennifer. No! Spares Jake so that Jake can get Kira a message. Before you were talking about what the currency is in the Mirror Universe, and this is another form of that currency, right? Like, Kira is banking a favor. Right. As if favors have a value here. Right, which is a surprising idea in a betrayal-centric society. Yep. But... It kind of holds. It seems like the $2 bill of currency. <laughs> right. Like, sort of fun to have as novelty, not very useful when it comes down to it. But it has the effect of Jake not buying the farm here so that when Cisco comes back, he can come to the infirmary where Jennifer is about to shuffle loose this mortal coil on the bio bed and he gets to have another last moment with her. Yeah, because the previous last moment they had didn't go great. 
The last moment did not go well, Enterprise. <laughs> because uh, because what Ben told Jen back then was that uh, whatever connection that she felt at the time wasn't real. It was just like a familiarity that a mirror universe and a prime universe person might have to each other. And that's not real. And so he really hurt her feelings back then. But yeah. here on the deathbed is where you confide your true, true feelings. And those feelings in this case are that... Ben Sisko will always feel a connection to Jen, now and after she dies. Always. Yeah. And so they they kind of hold hands, and she breathes her last. And the Sisko men have to mourn Jennifer Sisko's death one more time. And it's it's a pretty real scene, I think. The final shot of the episode is just an overtop shot of her dead body. Ben Sisko loads her body up into a torpedo tube, takes her to the Prime Universe, and shoots her into the Mutara Nebula. <laughs> this worked before. I'll just try it one more time. <laughs> Jake, help me with this torpedo. Jake's like, what is Mark Iv? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. Morn, morn, morn. Dear sweet morn, morn, morn. You hear, buddy? Morn, stop. Did you like the episode, Adam? I think whether or not I like the episode has a lot to do with this ending, and I did not like this ending. Are we just supposed to accept that Smiley upheld his end of the bargain and sent them home? <laughs> I guess so. I mean, Smiley has shown a an eager willingness to do so already, and that was before Ben helped him repel a an overwhelming attack by the Alliance, so... I guess by even asking that question, I'm just sort of making the case that for the entire episode, the rules of the mirror universe change constantly. And I think it's what Star Trek Discovery did very well in making the mirror universe threatening and scary. Hmm. Like, there's so much squish in this universe in Deep Space Nine that the darkness is only ever from the lighting. Like, yeah. the rest of it is just fun. And if I'm supposed to think this is fun, then I can get with that. And I think my problem with it <laughs> is that I saw Discovery first. And so I'm expecting it to be dark and scary. And it's and because it's not like that, that's why I'm not liking these episodes. Maybe if I had watched these first, I would be liking these a whole lot more. So hmm. I think that's my answer to the did you, did you like question. What about you? I feel like I liked it maybe a little bit more than you. We just, for Greatest Discovery, watched the TNG porn parody fan edit, uh, which is an adult film that is a porn parody of Star Trek The Next Generation where they cut out all of the adult scenes so that it's just a fan episode. And it's like kind of... I think we were both really knocked back in our seats with how sincere a fan episode it was with all the fucking taken out. Are you comparing the mirror universe to a adult <laughs> film with the fucking cut out? I think what I'm comparing that this to is the idea of a fan with a budget trying to right the wrong of how Yar went out. Mm -hmm. Like this feels like a, what if we could take a second pass at what happened to Jennifer Sisko? Right, because this is the last time we see her on the show. Right, and she's a very capable actor and uh, has really been given very little to do in a universe where 
it's possible to give give somebody a second swing despite their character being dead. Right. And so I liked it from that standpoint, uh, just a, like, what would it be like for Jake? Because we didn't really get that take last time. What would it be like for Jake to re-experience the, the life of his mother in another universe? Ben, we just watched this episode. Can you tell me how Jake felt the grief of watching his mother die here? Because I couldn't tell you. You didn't buy it in that last scene? I kind of didn't. No. Oh, that's a shame. I, I really felt like I think one of Sirach Lofton's strengths as an actor is infectious enthusiasm. Yeah. And he gets a ton of time to do that early in the episode, like really excited that he has his mom back to hang out with and spend time with. And and the kind of childlike state that that uh, interestingly pushes him back into despite the fact that he's like more or less a grown man now with with his own like life ambitions and dreams and uh and everything and i i really did feel the pain in that last scene with uh with him and Cisco i think that maybe he deserved two or three more beats in the script to uh you know talking to Jennifer like the the scene is like much more focused on Ben than it is on Jake Right. In in that moment, right. which is a shame. But I think from a performance standpoint, I got there with Sirach Lofton. Wow. So maybe we disagree on this one. That's the diff. I just yeah. couldn't get up over the edge. <laughs> ben. One, one, uh, one part of the show that pays off every time are our priority one messages. You want to see what we have over there? I would love to. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. All right, it looks like our first priority one message is from Dr. Saytalk and Lieutenants Zanny, Boss, and Kennan. And this message is for for our illustrious GM, Joe. I want to thank whoever... Well, I want to thank all of these people for giving me a pronunciation guide here. That is using the characters wisely. Yeah. Message goes like this. Joe. Joe. (laughs) The USS Aurora raises a glass of blood wine to the glory of the House of Nanite while we decide how far into the future to temporarily displace our problems. We... Thank the prophets that a friend of DeSoto is only a little embarrassed to run Star Trek Adventures for us. We only wish Adam and Ben will someday play this RPG for all FODs everywhere. Wow. Another invitation to play a silly game, Ben. What is is GM like Dungeon Master but something else? What's the G? I mean, it could be a typo. Yeah. There are people screaming at us right now for not knowing this, but <laughs> there we go. It sounds like maybe they're playing the same game as the Mammary Alpha podcast is playing. Oh, yeah. Look, I'm not saying I don't ever want to play that role-playing game, because I do. I yeah, just want, I want someone to either D or GM that for me. Yeah, we would not be good at that. <laughs> uh, Adam, we have a second Priority One message here, and it is from Hot in Hamilton, and it is for... Ben and Adam goes like this. The warm weather is upon us, 
I feel bad using AC in my car commuting on more temperate days. But sitting at a stoplight, windows down, listening to a Star Trek podcast? No way! Hmm. Special thanks to the embarrassment caused by the greatest generation for giving me a second reason to drive with the AC on and the windows up. Yeah. (laughs) That is really fun. Um... I have definitely experienced that, driving around, listening to a podcast, and somebody's talking about burping or farting, and I realize that my, my windows are down, and the, and the sound system is probably sharing my weird podcast taste with the entire world. Yeah, you don't want that. The rental that the uh, car insurance company got me is a Range Rover. Wow. Listen, I don't know a lot about the, like, semiotics of car selection. I know that, like, in car cultures, like, the car you drive says a lot about yourself and the and the kind of person you're trying to present yourself as to the world. It's like a colored bandana. I lived my, most of my adult life in New York, and I just don't speak the language, so... Well, one thing that drives good every time is a priority one message. If you would like us to read any of those, you can go to MaximumFun.org slash... Jumbotron, where personal messages about your personal brand of car culture are $100. (laughs) And commercial messages from car companies themselves are $200, both of which are a great way to support the ongoing production of The Greatest Generation. Hey, Adam. What's that, Ben? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Drunk Shimoda! I telegraphed it earlier. I'm just going to get there first. I'm going to say it's that doofy guard who loses the key in his boot. (laughs) How is that guy the best of the best? That ship is filled with 50,000 Klingon warriors, like living in bunk beds. That should be the honor guard on there. He should be the best. He should always know where the key is, certainly. And if you're a Klingon, shouldn't you have two keys? Mm. I would think so. <laughs> so uh, I'm making that guard. My... I mean, the key is kind of bifurcated at the tip. You know what? It is. Yeah. Which makes me wonder if the prop people know that, you know, like, are they using Klingon anatomy as part of their, as part of their inspiration for how they design a key? Because if so, like, that makes me think of keys, like, in such a dirty way, yeah. you know? Keys and locks are super sexual when you come to think about it. Yeah, they really are. It's a hot take, Ben. Who's your drunk Shimoda? (laughs) Um, Mine is Jake. Just, um, you know, and I think that maybe this is kind of complicating my my take on the episode, but that naivete, that approach he has to the mirror universe where it is very clear that he does not have a healthy mistrust of the mirror universe is very drunk shimoda like to me like he's like a toddler wandering into a bad neighborhood or like shimoda just kind of like ignoring the calamitous crisis happening all around him right and just like chilling in the bar with a bunch of very evil people yep so uh so for that reason jake is my drunk shimoda gotta get that get that gold press that Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. 
And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen. So I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Ben, it's now time to talk about what episode we'll be watching next. And in what way we will be watching it, because this was a very special episode. I think a couple hundred people at least tuned into the 
show, right? I just clicked open our YouTube feed and uh, lots of chatters, but there's no way for me to see how many there are. I think it's good that we're not getting complaints that... uh... (laughs) Oh, we're getting complaints, Ben. Uh, Oh, good. We're almost exclusively getting complaints. Is that really true? No. (laughs) It is just a scroll of, of super fast comments. Oh, people are saying 400. Wow. More than that's 400. That's Yeah, that's more than I expected. That is shocking. Not including uh, the guy on Reddit who complained vociferously about us doing this while he was at work. Sorry yeah. we didn't schedule this around your work schedule, stranger yeah. on Reddit. I got, uh, I got complaints that we didn't schedule it well for the East Coast or for Great Britain. Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, here's the thing about the production of Greatest Gen. We have to produce this on a schedule that works for Ben and me. Right. Otherwise, it's not going not gonna to get made. So. Yeah. But this hopefully will happen again. I think... Uh, oh, you hope I so? Think, well, I think now that we know how to do it, I don't care. Yeah. Uh, there's at least one other video on our YouTube channel as of this recording that yeah. uh, should delight anybody that, uh, that enjoys our brand of comedy. Mm-hmm. The next episode, Adam, is season four, episode 20, The Muse. While Odo provides shelter for a pregnant Lwaxana Troy, Jake Sisko falls under the spell of a mysterious woman. Can we land on a Quark's bar for this one, just for old time's sake, given <laughs> that it's a Lwaxana Troy episode? Is that in range? I don't know, Adam. Uh, it's, uh, it's your role. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. So I think if you roll a six, which you've never done, that would be a quark's bar. I've got the die in my hand. I'm rolling the die. <laughs> God damn it. I rolled a two. Chula! Did I win? Hardly. <laughs> Just a two. It gets us off of the fuck it, we'll do it live square. Two. Squares ahead to square 14, which is a regular old episode. And I don't know about you, Ben, but uh, I might turn it into my own private quarks bar. Really? Well, I'm really looking forward to that next episode, Adam. We should uh, thank a bunch of people, shouldn't we? Maybe first off, we should thank all the people who joined the live stream, all 420 of them. Yeah, Definitely 420 for, of them, right? Thank you for risking termination with your various employers. Yeah. Uh, for, <laughs> uh, thank you for, uh, you know, finding the time to, to watch this. Um, I don't know if this will or will not be interesting to anybody, like, cutting out, like, seeing what the raw thing is that then turns into the real episode. But uh, But thanks for sitting through it. Uh, with us because this is this is what it's really like it felt like a close approximation to what a show is when yeah. we when we sit down and do it i don't think there's any mystery anymore <laughs> we really pulled the kimono open people who haven't seen us do a live show are probably shocked at what we look like uh surprise two dorks yeah and I guess we should also uh, give an extra special thanks to the uh, folks that go to MaximumFun.org slash donate and uh, support this show on a monthly basis. Yeah. It is for that reason that we were able to do weird, uh, time-consuming, and complicated stuff like this. Neither of us have ever done a live stream like this, so uh, this this took a lot of research and 
teching it out and making sure everything worked before we did it. Your support helps us afford the good internet. Yeah, uh, whatever your podcatcher is, why don't you, uh, while we are sitting here talking about this, go onto the app and leave a nice review or recommendation of the show to spread the good word. Uh, we love those five stars, five star reviews or the overcast recommendations. Really, really helps. And uh, if it can't be that, you know, tweet about us. Use the hashtag GreatestGen. Adam is at Cut for Time. I'm Benjamin AHR. Or uh, recommend us IRL to a friend or family member. You know who the music is by on this show. It's by the great Adam Ragusea. That's right. Who uh, customized the Dark Materia theme song that uh, was and to some extent still is the official theme song of Greatest Gen. Doing the great work. Check out the Wikia and... uh, If you haven't done the right thing and gotten off of Facebook yet, there's a bunch of Facebook groups out there. Um, There's all kinds of of places to connect with the Friends of DeSoto. Uh, And uh, also, of course, MaximumFun.org, our uh, beloved network. There are lots of great shows over there for you to check out, including uh, The Greatest Discovery and Friendly Fire, our other two shows. And I think anybody that likes this show would like those. Ben, we've got two new merch items in the store, don't we? We sure do. Yeah, we've got the we've got the Kern shirt, uh, which is a typography joke, and we've got the Femmes of DeSoto shirt, which is uh, which is also up there. Uh, Katrina Wolf from the Femmes of DeSoto group uh, made the design, and uh, she sent it to us and asked if we were interested in putting it in the store, and we did it. So. Uh, Get those two shirts. They said it couldn't be done. They said it shouldn't (laughs) be done. We done did it. We did it. Uh, We also need to thank the great J.J. Lendl, who makes movie-quality posters. He tends to put them out on Sunday night, and then I will retweet them on Monday. And uh, who could forget the great Bill Tilly, who makes comedy trading cards about every episode, including this one. Yeah, we love... We love us some Bill Tilly. I'm hoping he's not screen grabbing our images here for cards. Please don't. <laughs> Is that everyone? I think you've taken us over the finish line. And with that, we'll be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine and an episode of The Greatest Generation Deep Space Nine, which I would veto if I could. <laughs> <laughs> MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.